Mesdames et Messieurs, the greatest festival of our contemporary society, the Olympic Games, is about to begin. This is going to be close. Hello fans of Shuklistan and welcome to another episode of Keep the Flame Alive, the podcast for fans of the Olympics and Paralympics. I am your host, Jill Jairus, joined as always by my lovely co-host, Allison Brown. Allison, hello, how are you? I got my sneakers double knotted. I'm doing my stretches. I am ready to go. <laughs> yes. It is a Labor Day weekend here in the US, so we are having a lightning round episode. This time we are focusing solely on Athletes who have competed in athletics. Run, run away, run far away, or walk very quickly. <laughs> first up, we have Madeline Manning-Mims. Madeline was the first African-American woman to compete in the 800 meters when she did so at Mexico City in 1968. She was then the first American woman to win the gold medal in the 800 meters, and that record held until Tokyo 2020 when Athing Mo won gold in the 800 meters. Madeline also competed at Munich 1972, where she won a silver medal as a member of the 4x400-meter relay team, and she competed at Montreal 1976. The U.S. boycott of Moscow 1980 kept her from competing at a fourth Games. After her competitive career, Madeline founded the United States Council for Sports Chaplaincy, and she has served as a chaplain at most summer games since 1988. We talked with Madeline in the fall of 2020 about her Olympic experiences and her work as a sports chaplain. Take a listen to her lightning round. Where is your Olympic medal? In my drawer, in my bedroom. <laughs> reason of... I, because I have a gold and a silver, and the reason I keep them there is when I go out to places, especially with kids and everything, I'll take them with me so that they can put them on. And I didn't, you know what? The thing is, I'm still shocked at what it does to the emotions of people, you know, that have never seen a gold medal or never seen an Olympic medal at all, you know, and to put something around it. People have caught their breath. I had... This is funny because, let's see, 2017, I went over to Berlin and I was doing some ministry over there as as a concert artist, artist and in a um, conference that was being put on for business people who were wanting to get involved in sports. And I will never forget, you know, I had the medals with me, I had them on me, and they would come up to me and they would go, could I? Could I touch them? I was like, yeah. Would you like to put them on? And 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 some people would, oh no 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 no. They were so reverent. I was like, it's just a thing. It's it's okay. You can look at. It. You can touch it. Oh okay. And then or I'll put it around their neck and they would lose their breath. This one lady fainted. I I was like, I put it around her neck. She fainted. She faded in my arms. I was like, oh, my gosh. Wow. <laughs> I was like, is she okay? And they had to fan her and go on. I said, that takes the cake. <laughs> <It's> like, 
I had no idea they would do that. But I have to recognize what it means to people who have never paid that price to receive that type of accolade at that highest of level. I think I still don't really understand it yet, but I appreciate it. I really have an appreciation to the award of seeing it and watching others on the TV, on the Olympic channel, you know, as they receive it. I, I, look, at, I look at them looking down at their medal and turning it over and look, because it is a spectacle that you want to like, let me see what this looked like, what this feel like, you know, all this work that brought me up to get this. But the, it, it's a, a short-lived experience. I mean, you may go back home and the Olympics medal is there for you and whatever, but it's a short-lived experience. And unfortunately, a lot of times you're looking for more. That wasn't enough. I, I, I want more. What? Maybe one more. And, and then you get to be like with Carl Lewis or Michael Phelps and you've got all, all these medals. And, and I remember Carl, I think it was his, yeah, his father that he put one of his gold medals in his coffin. And I'm thinking, he can't see it. He can't feel it. There's nothing that his dad could do with that medal. But I knew, I understood that his dad and mom started him in high school. And so it's sort of like we did it type of expression. But it showed the, this is not an idol God that I worship. Uh, the Bible talks about heaven and the streets of gold. I, I'm like, hey, this is something they walk on up there. This is not something to be worshipped and idolized. But I do understand what it means to a person who has not received anything of that type or of that uh, experience, what it may emotionally do, even though I don't understand the whole thing. Because I have one. I have two, in fact. So interesting. I'm thankful. Yeah. And I didn't mean for that to be that long. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> we love it when people... we love the stories. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. I was trying to be quick with it. <laughs> and a story came to my mind. <laughs> okay. I'm going to try to pull this in. Some. What is your first memory of the Olympics from when you were a kid? When when did you first know they were? I was 12, and I heard about Wilma Rudolph, and I heard about the Olympics, and I didn't know anything about the Olympics. I was like, what is that? And it said, it's and my, my stepfather at that time said, it's sport where you go and the best in the world come, and they compete against each other. And the only thing I thought about is, after he told me about Wil- Wilma Rudolph was a black lady that was the fastest in the world among other women. All I thought about, well, I'm in the projects and I'm running around beating the the boys around here. Maybe one day I can do that. That's about it. I, I didn't know anything until I was discovered in high school by my coach. And he started me on that track because he was an Olympic coach, Mr. Alex Ferenczi. And he was, he saw me running, asked my mother if he could work with me. And in the next year, I was first girl in the world to break 55 seconds in the 440-yard dash. And then it, it just went on from there. I went to Tennessee State University. And he and that coach there, Coach 
Coach Temple, Ed Temple, was also an Olympic coach, and they got together and began to work together on my workouts. And then all of a sudden, it happened. There I was, watching the world go by me in the, in the Olympic Village. It's amazing. But I wasn't like, like, yeah, I wasn't like the kids are today. You know, our kids are so knowledgeable about the Olympics, and they see it on TV and that type of thing. And you hear the kids, kids will run up to me and say, I want to be an Olympic champion just like you. And my my response is, really? Are you ready to crawl in your vomit? And they'll go, ew. <laughs> I was like, yeah. <laughs> it's a, Wait, it's, so how it's many times, did, how often did you crawl in your own vomit? Every time it was hot. Oh. <laughs> I was going to say, um, one, once would have been enough for me. I, I know, <laughs> I know. There were times that I, it was so hot, girl, I would actually faint on the track after getting finished with one of the things that I had to do, uh, a repeat this or a repeat that, and, and I would be so exhausted and needing water that I actually would faint and, and I would vomit and end up crawling in my vomit. So thank God it wasn't a whole lot of time, but it was enough. Wow. Another side question, because got to okay. ask, when you got to be a Tiger Bell, what was the legacy of the mm-hmm. women before you by the time you got to 10CC? Oh. Wow. Well, remember at 12, I told you that that's when I heard of Wilma Rudolph? Mm-hmm. Well, I found out that Wilma Rudolph went to Tennessee State University and was a Tiger Bell in Rome in 1960, and she actually in 56, she was at Tennessee State University too. And she would come back while I was there to just encourage us and talk with us. And a, a lot of the older Tiger Bells who set precedents in the world, because they, I mean, Coach Temple had a barn full of sprinters, and they were top in the world. And so we had to leave, live up to that legacy. They did not play. When they would come back, they would want to know what we were doing and why we were doing it. And don't be embarrassing me out there. You know, and they didn't, <laughs> they were tough. And when they would get together, oh my gosh, it was like they were still on the track. They would be woofing at each other. Yeah, you know, I beat your so-and-so out there. Well, that's because that day I was sick. But, you you know, I was 15 when I beat you. I mean, this, they're going back and forth like it's just happening. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, these kids. I think they're going to kill us if we don't do something good. Being a Tiger so, Bell is you know, no joke. Hey, it is no joke. In fact, this is off the curve, I'm telling you. So this is sidebar. Cheeseboro is the head coach now at Tennessee State University, it, and it doesn't have the same type of quality of athletes that came up during the time we came up. And one time I came, I went there, and she had about a hundred, hundred athletes, you know, and I think seventy-five were there at the time practicing, and she called them all over, and they sat down. And I said, I see that you have, she introduced me and said, I see that you have the Tiger Bell shirt on. And I said, how many of you are Tiger Bells? And they all raised their hands. I was like, all of you are Tiger Bells? They were, yes, ma'am. So I said, okay. So 
how how many nationals have you been to? And they looked at <laughs> looked at each other and they looked nationals. We're just trying to make our conference. And so I said, in other words, you haven't even qualified for a nationals. Uh, no, that is hard to do. I was like, yeah, but the Tigers bells are the best in the world. And so it baffles me that you have not even made a national team or gone to the nationals to even participate, to try to make a national. No, ma'am. And I said, okay, then if you haven't, that is not a Tiger Bell. So take those shirts off. And I was teasing, but they didn't know it. (laughs) (laughs) And so they looked at each other and like, okay. And they started coming out of the shirts. Well, Tiger Bells don't play. Why would they think you were not serious? I would have been scared. Exactly. They like, were frightened. And so I started laughing. You take my shirt off. I know. And Cheese was cracking up, but she was like, because she knew I was teasing. But they didn't. And so they they started coming out. And I said, wait, 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 wait. No, no, I'm just teasing you. <laughs> I'm just teasing you. <laughs> I said, I, I just didn't realize that that was the level that we're at now. And he said, dog, you mean to tell me that your team, all of y'all made the net? I said, every last one of it. I said, on during the 68 Olympic Games, there were eight of us, and all eight of us made the team. He said, there were two girls who were from a different country, but they made their team. I said, we didn't play, and you shouldn't be playing either. If you're going to represent us, I said, now, I'm telling you something. I was teasing with you, but if some of those mamas that came back to us and asked us, okay, you're wearing that Tiger Bell, what have you done? They would not have been teasing, and and no telling what they would have said to you. And they were like, oh, wow, we got a long way to go. I said, yeah, but you you can get there. And, I mean, it's a large team, so all of you aren't going to get there. But, you know, I think that you can go higher than you're going now because the stakes are too low. You need to put your stakes up higher and expect yourself to do better than what you're doing now. I said, Coach, I know Coach Cheese didn't choose you here because you didn't have any type of talent. You're not gifted. It's the fact that you haven't set the goal, the bar high enough to reach your ultimate, that even if you miss the bar, you still are up there. They were like, yes, (laughs) ma'am. So that's my sidebar. Anyway, next. (laughs) All right. What was your favorite training exercise? Oh, boy. Besides crawling through your own vomit. Yeah, that wasn't a training exercise. That was the result of our training. Oh, my. my. I worked extremely hard, and I was very hard on myself. So there wasn't a favorite exercise or training that I did. What was best, what, what I loved and coveted the most is winning. 
I, all that hard work that I would do would pay off on the track. So what I share with kids today, I said, you know, you, you can work hard in your training sessions so that you can enjoy your competition. When competition came, one, you can't rub a sab on yourself and, and say, I want to, you know, win or I want to be in the top three or whatever. There's nothing. It's your confidence of knowing what you can do out there. So that was where my favor would come into contact with the the element of training was that I put all that training together. And one thing I would think about is, I only have to do this one time. <laughs> In training, I might have 20 of these toughies to do, <laughs> or I may have 10 of these toughies to kill me. And when I think about, hmm, I only have just, just this one time to do this, it would make a difference. It would bring confidence. What sport would you do or coach? If you, if you could be an Olympian in any sport other than athletics, what would you do? Other than athletics? Yeah, no no running. Hmm. I think that ice skating is beautiful, <laughs> although I hate cold weather. <laughs> so I don't know how you're going to get me out there. But I love to watch. <laughs> I love to watch the ice skating and the movement. It's probably because I, I really love the dance. I do worship dance, I, not as much as I did before, but ever so often. So I love movement. And if I'd like to be involved in anything, I would like to learn more about ice skating. Interesting. Interesting. And then finally, what is your favorite Olympic souvenir? My gold medal. <laughs> oh, other, oh, well, how about other than the other than the medals? Oh, other than the medals, souvenir. Jeez, I've been to four. So, well, even even the one that was boycotted still had its mascot. I really love Beijing's. I, even though I didn't compete in that one in two thousand eight, I really loved it. It's different mascots that they had that they made available that, that was so colorful. I, in fact, I bought a lot of stuff and gave a lot of stuff away in memory of that game. Um, so I would, I would think the uh, 2008 mascot from Beijing, China. Excellent choice. All right. Madeline, thank you so much for your time. I realize we have a direct line now to Wilma Rudolph. Oh, through Madeline, yes. Through Madeline, we're only two degrees separated, which is pretty fantastic. <laughs> I just, I loved talking with her so much. It's worth checking out her old episodes again. We'd like to give a big shout out to our Patreon patrons who keep our flame alive. You can find out more about patronage at patreon.com slash flamealivepod. Now, if you are a patron who is a gold medalist and above, you get the chance to ask us anything. So we're... We'll be looking for your questions this fall. If you want to get in on that action, head to patreon.com slash flamealivepod. Next up, we have race walker Evan Dunphy. And Evan has competed at two Olympics. At Rio 2016, he placed 10th in the 20K walk and got a controversial fourth place in the 50K walk. 
At Tokyo 2020, he got on the podium with a bronze in the 50K walk, and recently he won the gold medal at the 10,000-meter race walk at the 2022 Commonwealth Games. We last talked with Evan as he was preparing for Tokyo 2020. Take a listen to his lightning round. All right. Lightning round. What is your first memory of watching the Olympics when you were a kid? I was 14. I was at my uncle's place. We had a bowl of quarters on the table and we were betting, (laughs) betting on the events. I knew nothing about it, but Perdita Felician was favorited to win the hundred meter hurdles for Canada. And my uncle bet on her to win. So I just went, well, I got to, unfortunately I have to bet on her not to win. And she hit the first hurdle and, and, and didn't finish the race. And I still feel a little bit bad about that. It was all your fault, Evan. (laughs) What year was that one? That was 04 in Athens. Oh, my. Okay. Sorry. We we (laughs) learn our ages really quick on this question. (laughs) Yeah. Which is funny. Like, most people's first sport memories are from, you know, especially, like, when they grew up. I grew up wanting to go to the Olympics. My dad coached in Munich in 72. Oh, that's Um, great. It was on my list, too. (laughs) You have a big Olympic history here. Yeah. So, I. Uncle. Great, great uncle. Yeah, I grew up like hearing that the Olympics were this really cool thing. And so that's all it was. It was always this like background. I remember my friends and I sat down to watch Munich one time and we're too young to actually get into the nuances of that movie and we're bored halfway through. And my dad just went, I'll just turn that off. I'll tell you what happened. <laughs> and, and we spent an hour and a half listening to him tell us, tell us about being there. But it is funny that like, my, yeah, my first Olympic memory doesn't come until well after my Olympic dream was kind of there. It just was an Olympic dream that wasn't, wasn't bred from from watching from from some inspiring moment of, of it wasn't watching Donovan Bailey win win in Atlanta for example which for a lot of Canadians it is and it for me it was probably just hearing stories from my dad about how cool it was and then watching it when I was a teenager do you hear stories about your great great uncle who did the marathon in 1912 not really like the only thing I really know about that is that so he so the Cuban athlete who covered himself in beeswax to not get a sunburn and then couldn't sweat and and unfortunately became the first Olympian to to die during competition my my great uncle apparently stopped and and stayed by his side until until paramedics showed up and then continued on running which just shows one sort of how different the Olympics were back then but um yeah it was pretty cool sort of learning that story and he's also the only other he's the only ginger on that side of the family which is just kind of cool that like he also and he also played professional hockey i played very low level hockey but i i I really enjoyed hockey and so it's just funny to see the sort of like the the compare and contrast those some of those things it's 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 fun okay just on a side note before we started the interview and we were going through our notes and jill had put in that his nickname was rover i said to her I love him just for that nickname. And now finding out he was a ginger, I love him even more. <laughs> Rover the ginger. I, ah. <laughs> All right. Where do you keep your diploma from Rio? Oh, God, I have no idea. It's, my, my mom has a scrapbook. It's full of, of newspaper clippings, all that stuff. I have... It might be in there. It might be in my childhood bedroom somewhere. Yeah. What is your favorite training exercise? My favorite. So my favorite day of training when I'm really fit, we'll go and do, we'll have, we'll do a 40 K in the morning and we'll do a 10 K tempo in the afternoon. And 
when I nail that, it's just a great day. Usually some donuts involved afterwards, a celebration. That's 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 perfect. Although I don't really need it, I don't need anything to celebrate to eat donuts, but it's it's easier to justify when I'm celebrating something. Tim Hortons or do you have a different donut shop? Yeah, I'm 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 this is blasphemy, but I don't really like Tim Hortons donuts. You're gonna but... lose your Canadian citizenship. <laughs> They're gonna kick you out. Oh, I'm gonna lose my Canadian citizenship because this this thing that's owned by a Brazilian company. <laughs> They're still gonna kick you out. You can't say anything bad about Tim Hortons. All right, well, best donut then. Best donuts. Uh, I, I I mean, I this this is gonna be ridiculous. Like grocery like the dollar grocery store donuts like they're great and they're a dollar so you can you can get three of them whereas you go to like a fancy donut place and they're four donuts a donut four dollars a donut and you're like well i could this is, this is obscene yeah i'm a <laughs> i'm a very simple person well i i when I've, I've thought this quite often over the last hour of of how much money there is in race walking and this, this lets me That's another insight. Yeah, the, the yeah. sponsor knocking down your doors to give you it's six about, figures. About half of my monthly credit card charges are $2 charges for Subway cookies and $1 charges for donuts when I go to physio. <laughs> I'm sure your nutritionist is thrilled <laughs> with that. Yeah. We won't send the link. <laughs> Another side question: When you say really fit, like what does that mean? Uh, how how unfit do you get in an off season? Certain, like there's a, really fit for me is when I can go and walk 40k and then finish and be like that was fun. And that usually comes after like so th this summer I did 12 straight weeks of doing 40k plus training sessions on the weekend. And after like four or five of those, it got to the point where yeah, finish 40k and you're just like oh, okay, sweet job done. Like I just did a marathon. That's cool. That for me is like when I feel like invincible and like and super fit is just like, yeah, let's go out and do a casual marathon. No big deal. What sport would you do or coach other than we're taking a lot off the table other than race walking? Uh, we'll take off running in general because you have run and you do that stuff. And we'll take ice hockey off the table, too. You can't take ice hockey right. off the table because he played as a kid. Yeah, Canadian, come on, really? Exactly. I, I do still. I will. I do still play. Do still play hockey? Not ice hockey. I, I play like a co-ed, co-ed ball hockey league, or did pre-pandemic. You're doing so well. We're still arguing about taking ice hockey off the table. We've already gotten you in trouble with your Canadian citizenship, so we really don't want to get you in trouble. But say anything bad about ice hockey. I mean, I, I, I think my opinions on Dick Pound have also led to my Canadian citizenship being in jeopardy. So, oh, oh, Evan can go rogue on Dick Pound because Dick Pound, we say Dick Pound goes rogue a lot and just <laughs> shoots off his mouth. Okay, so what the sport that you would do or coach? I, I found it funny that you said I can't choose race walking or running because I why would these things are so like why they're not they're not that enjoyable they're not that that fun like pole vault. Pole vault looks like the most fun thing in the world. Like you just propel yourself six feet in the air and fl fling yourself over this bar. Like, I don't know. I think, I think that would be the coolest thing ever. Yeah. Pole vault would be, be awesome. I'd love to be a decathlete and just be able to do like all those things and the camaraderie that they have. And like, just the, 
that atmosphere that decathletes have around competition, I love that. So pole vault or decathlon would be my choices within track and field. And if you made me choose a sport outside of athletics, I really love the field hockey guys. I'll, I'll say field hockey. Okay. That's cool. And lastly, what is your favorite Olympic souvenir? Oh, um, I mean, my, my Team Canada Olympic ring has gotten me a free drink once. So that's probably been my most valuable Olympic souvenir. I don't, I don't know. I have, I have a stuffed Vimy from, from Rio on my very masculine display of all my mascots in my living room. What other mascots do you have? Um, I have Patchy from Toronto that we got when we got our medals. I have a Beanie Baby Kiwi because my grandma was from New Zealand. So we have a lot of Kiwi stuff. We have our Olympic, our Team Canada mascot. What's his? Oh, Comac. There we go. Comac's his name. And then we have the Lima mascot. We have a couple of race walking mascots and the Doha mascot there as well. So this is my very, very 30 year old male, no kids living room. That's fantastic. It's adorable. <laughs> okay so you got to go through the flower ceremony for for rio did they take the no flowers? we ended no. up postponing it we basically oh. ended up saying no let's not do this because we don't know what the results are um okay. i felt so bad for jared and and mate in that moment i pleaded with them to just do with the officials just do one for first and second and they they said no so i felt really bad that i the the one time jared was standing in his rightful place on the podium and i i took that away from him but yeah oh well evan thank you so much we really appreciate your time thank you so much evan i don't even like donuts <laughs> and yet apparently i felt at the time very strongly about donuts <laughs> You know, when I listened to that again, I really wanted a donut. And we don't get donuts all that often either because that is a very special treat in the house. But boy, could I, I could have used a Timmy Ho-Ho's crawler. I do not like donuts. Box of Timbits? No. <laughs> Finally, we have long-distance runner Abdi Abdurrahman. Abdi has competed at five Olympics at Sydney 2000, Athens 2004, and Beijing 2008, he competed in the 10,000 meters, and then he switched to the marathon distance for London 2012 and Tokyo 2020. Abdi is also author of the book, Abdi's World, The Black Cactus on Life, Running, and Fun. We talked with Abdi ahead of his journey, uh, his marathon journey to Tokyo, or, you know, Sapporo, as the case may be. <laughs> Take a listen to his lightning round. Lightning round? What is your first memory of the Olympics from when you were a kid? When I was a kid, I don't remember Olympics. So I don't know. When I was a kid, no, I don't. I don't have any memory. At Olymp- I didn't find out the Olympics until 1990. That's the first time I watched Olympics was 1996. And 2000, I was in the Olympics competing. So what do you remember from 96? 96, I remember Bob Kennedy taking the lead. 5,000 meters. Where do you keep your participation medals? They're everywhere around the house. What is your favorite training exercise? Training exercise and running or just, I, I like to do called blanks. What is that? 
lungs is the one that you just like it, it's a core workout so you just you you are you hold your four four hands oh oh yeah planking. Like okay that. how long can you hold them or how long do you hold them? i do like a different position but i do like a hand ministry different each, each side like a minute and a half Ow. okay so minute and a half and then reps to about 10 minutes for all all three sides basically Oh yeah. my goodness. Okay, something to work this on. This is why he's an Olympic marathoner and we <laughs> ask him questions. I'll see you five hours later, Abdi. <laughs> that person in the back. Uh, okay, if you could be an Olympian in any sport other than running, what would you choose? Swimming. Yeah? yeah. This is no, not relations, but it, it popped in my head. I, I didn't realize your cousin also is an Olympian. Did you know him at all? Abdi Bile? Abdi Bile. I do know him, yes. Did, did, was there anything like when you became an Olympian? He's like, oh, hey, we're Olympic cousins. No. <laughs> <laughs> I think Abdi just fright, just got frightened of us. Sorry. <laughs> well, no. good thing that this is the last question then. What, <laughs> what is your favorite <laughs> Olympic souvenir? My favorite, it has to be my pin, my pins. Oh, yeah. Oh, you must have a pretty good collection for oh, Olympics. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. You know some pin collectors. And I, always to talk to you. To, yeah, I always want to hustle people too at the Olympics. So uh, I know the pins to get. So the hard countries, the small countries, small, small countries are the most, uh, those, those are the best ones. I don't go for the Russia, UK. No, you go like the small countries where the, like, you barely have any Olympian. They have one person. So, it's hard to get their pants. You have like places like Djibouti. Yeah, those, Thailand yeah. always has those beautiful, yeah. elaborate ones. Oh, yeah. Now, we've heard that pin collecting will be difficult at Tokyo because some National Olympic committees aren't going to make pins. Are you still going to try to swap pins with people? I think I'm, it's, it's going to be difficult. I know I won't be even in Tokyo, so... Maybe the, along the marathon, well, we're going to be in Sapporo, so maybe the marathon people will give me some. So maybe we're going to be in the same hotel. So that's only a couple hundred people instead of like a couple, 12,000 athletes. It's going to be only, well, I'll be with 300, so it would be much easier. Okay. Have they told you what your travel plans are so far? Yes, I already know. My, I'm leaving here July 30th. I get to July 31st, and then 1st of, first of August, I go to Sapporo. Oh, wow. Wow. And then you have just a couple of days until you race, right? Yeah. Yep. Tight. And then back, get you home. Get out. Yeah, and then get back home, back to normal life. Wait for another four years. Or less. Now, now it's, you know. Less. Less than four years. We have the trials maybe less than two years. So it's good. Excellent. Well, Abdi, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much, Abdi. We'll have a link to Abdi's books in the show notes. Unfortunately, that one is not available at bookshop.org where we have an affiliate store. So if you're book shopping for other books from the show, check out our page at bookshop.org slash shop slash flame alive pod. All purchases made through that link support the show. And that will do it for this week. Let us know your thoughts about athletics and donuts. You can get in touch with us by email at flamealivepod at gmail.com. Call or text us at 208-352-6348.
That's 208 Flame It. Our social handle is at Flame Alive Pod, and be sure to join the Keep the Flame Alive podcast group on Facebook. Next week, Book Club Claire is back, and guess what? We're talking about Abdi's World, The Black Cactus on Life, Running and Fun by Arusha Kostani and Lightning Round participant Abdi Abdurrahman. Spoiler alert, good read. Thank you so much for listening, and until next time, keep the flame alive. <laughs> <laughs>